0: I'm Kendra Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is the Reading Women podcast where we're reclaiming half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And this is episode 29 where we're talking about essay collections. I'm so excited about essay collections. Yes, I'm pretty sure this is like the center of the center of the center of your wheelhouse. It is. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, we last year, at the end of the year, like, we plan out all of our themes, or at least what we think might be the themes. They change sometimes. Uh, but essay collections was definitely one of Autumn's, like, we have to do this.
1: Yes, so I love essay collections, and I haven't read one in a long time. And then when I was reading these for this episode, I was like, oh, I forgot how much I loved essay collections. I will say, reading this many in a row
0: gets a little bit heavy, but... <laughs> It's true. I still love them. It's not exactly a type of book that you want to binge read a bunch of. Yeah, but anyway, we still read some good ones,
1: and I'm excited to talk about yeah. them.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of some we've been talking about for like a year now, so I'm glad that we finally got around to both reading them around the same time. I know. Me too. But before we talk about essay collections, I believe – You
1: have some news for us.
0: Yes. So you probably have already seen all over the Bookternet that the Hugo Awards came out, but we are here dedicated to reporting women in uh, bookish award news. So we have so many amazing women have won in the the Sci-Fi Fantasy Award, which is the Hugo Awards. And there's a bunch of different categories, and they are voted upon by You know, I have no idea who votes for these, (laughs) quite honestly. But it says, for example, for best (laughs) novel, uh, there were 2,339 final ballots. Um, Good grief. So lots of enthusiastic uh, people. And uh, N.K. Jemisin won again for her Broken Earth trilogy, which is the second book this time, which is The Obelisk Gate. Oh, wait a minute. This is the one I haven't read. Right. This is the second one. And then there, so. this is I feel like if she wins for all three, it'll be, like, the triple crown that all three in the series have won. And usually, like, the yeah. last one does really well because people are so excited. Um, and I read it the week it came out um, oh, because, of this course. This is the problem because, of course, I did. And it's really good. Oh, well, right. I halted all of my life, all of my required reading that I need to read for, like, jobs and things. I stopped and I read this book It's <laughs>
1: Well, see, this is the problem, too, is that you've talked about it so much that I
0: think that I've read it, like osmosis reading or something. It's true. It's It's like when you you talked about Flannery so much, it felt like I had read her until I actually read Flannery. Anyway, but I digress. <laughs> keep going, keep going. So, uh for that was for her best novel, for novella was Every Heart a Doorway by Shannon McGuire. and then another one of note that um, was one of my favorite graphic novels last year was Monstrous Volume 1 Awakening, uh written by Marjorie Liu and illustrated by Sana Takata and that is a fantastic uh, comic series. It beat Tanahasi Coates' Coates's Black Panther um, and G. Willow Wilson's Ms. Marvel. So, oh, um, I end up it, and it beat Saga by uh, Fiona Staples and Brian Gavon. So, oh, and it beat Paper Girls too. It beat everyone. Which I mean, for a first volume comic, like I I adore it, and I read the second volume recently, and also I loved it better than the first one, actually, so it's really good. So, congratulations to all of the amazing women writers who have just killed it in sci-fi and fantasy. Well, I'm glad that we have the news, because otherwise, I would be
1: completely out of the loop. Um, So, and I do absolutely need to read the Obeliskate soon.
0: Yes, especially since, you know, it's going to be made into a TV series. Yes! (sighs) Is that, I am so excited. I, I'm not sure if it's like a mini series or like a TV series, but, uh, I know like smaller, uh, television stations or whatever. I don't know what they're called, but they like one did, uh, the magician, the, what is it called? The magicians. And then one did the sword of Shannara. Okay. The, yeah. I think it's a mini series and I think it's just the fifth season. I don't think it's the Obelisk Gate. I don't I'm I'm sure though, like if it the fifth season does well that they'll just keep going. Well they have to. Like yeah. Or we'll it, protest. It's true. And I can't wait to see the casting for that. Like, do you know who I want? Do you know who I want to be uh soon? Who? Viola Davis. Of course you do. Of course I do. Who else? She would make a perfect it's just it should be so perfect. I can't even there, believe They're there. They're there. there.
1: Okay. Anyway. You heard it first here, guys.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I think you're going to do the first essay collection this time. Yes, I am. For my first selection for essay collections, I read The Sunshine State by Sarah Gerard, and this is from Harper Perennial. You might have heard of Sarah Gerard because she wrote The Binary Star, uh, which is out from $2 Radio, which is a small indie press. Uh, this is her second book, and this is actually obviously a collection of essays. But what's interesting about Sarah Gerard is that she writes like marathon essays. These are like 50 to 60 page essays. That's long. <laughs> They're like mini novels or something. <laughs> Pretty much. Like I kept reading, and I was like, man, this is really long. And she really plays with the form. Which I thought was very interesting, especially after reading uh, the empathy exams, which we both were not Mm -hmm. overly excited about. I was really worried about these essay collections that we were going to read, that they would be like that, because I was like, oh,
1: please no. When you say she experiments with the structure, like, what do you mean?
0: So with the marathon, like, essays, what I mean is, like, she has a lot more room to build up from the crisis, basically, of her essay for where she jumps off of to, like, continuing through and giving a lot more information. So the there are four, I think, four big ones, four big essays in this collection. It's around 300 pages. So around 200 pages of it are these four essays. And one talks about uh, the church that her parents belonged to. It was a part of a Christian science-esque type thing. It was a smaller denomination of that. And her parents tried to, you know, join that and start a college and things that didn't work out. One was a pyramid scheme, and she actually has, like, fictionalized imaginings of she and her husband touring these really affluent um, housing complexes and stuff. And then she has one about a bird sanctuary, and then she has one about, like, her teenage years. And so she does a lot of research for those. And it's like more of like a think piece in a magazine like the Smithsonian or the National Geographic kind of feel. Uh, well, that's what I
1: the feel that I got based off of looking at the cover, because the cover has like these kind of Audubon
0: style animal portraits on them. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be nature writing, honestly, is why I originally picked it. Right before I started reading it, I saw a video on BookTube and she was like, it is not. It is not, you know, it's not about nature writing or about really Florida per se, though all of it, like, is set in Florida. That's just one of the essays, which is about the bird sanctuary and the different animals this weird guy collects in his birdhouse. Yeah, I was so glad that I watched her video because I was able to wipe my brain like of what I expected from this essay collection but it's more like these long think piece like type articles where she goes and like she does research for it and she has all of these footnotes and endnotes and like different things for it it's really fantastic like all the research she did. It makes me wonder what her novels like if it's that hardcore researched. Yeah, and like I really enjoyed like the fictionalized sections of her different essays that she had and like how she told things and she makes notes of like what she changes of reality in the beginning of her essays and different things. And you could tell like she's a really great writer. And she does so many amazing things. I will say that, you know, she does come from an affluent subdivision in this Florida town. And she's super spoiled. And she acknowledges that. But at the same time, I wish she had acknowledged, like, her middle, upper middle class privilege more in the essay about her teen years than she did. Because it was, like, the classic you know, middle-class white girl artists. Like, I did all these stupid things as a teenager, and it's like nothing bad happened to them, so they have to, like, talk about all the bad things they did when they were a teenager. But she at least acknowledges somewhat that she was stupid and kind of makes fun of herself. But she did experience, like, she did, there was an incident of sexual assault, in the essay collection, she's very real about, like, she didn't know what she wanted to do with her life, and that she didn't acknowledge she had so many opportunities, and she does better than most people. But there's still a bit of that narcissism, like, peppered throughout that particular essay. But the rest of them are just the researched pieces, for the most part.
1: It sounds good. I've been wanting to read it, and I kind of got
0: bumped down my list, but you make me want to pull it back up to the top. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... It's definitely quite interesting, and I really liked her marathon. I call them marathon essays because I think of, like, Katie Ledecky who, like, you know, can out-swim anyone long distances, and I feel like this is her. Like, she doesn't... She, she takes a long time to like build up to like her point in different things, and she does such a great job with the long form. I didn't enjoy her short essays as much as I did the longer pieces. So if you want to check out this unique form of you know essay collection, you definitely want to check out *Sunshine State by Sarah Sherrard. So you set me up for a really great transition because my pick is
1: Too Much and Not in the Mood by Derja Chubos, and this is out by FSG Originals, and you've probably seen it. It's a small book, and it has like a gray a blue and a purple rectangle on the front of it it's a really pretty cover her first essay in this collection is like 60 pages and i actually liked her shorter essays better than her longer essays (laughs) so it's yeah so it's flipped the first essay is called heart hospital i think it's called heart hospital it starts out really weirdly like she's describing an emoji and i was like what What is she talking about? Like, I have no clue what she's talking about. And then it just, like, goes from there. And so it's really long and kind of rambly. And if you pick up this book, you might want to, like, skip the first one and read the other ones and come back to it because, I don't know, it was too long and it wasn't very well structured so i got kind of distracted as i was reading it anyway but so she was actually grew up in canada her parents are from india and they immigrated to canada and so so she talks a lot about what it's like to grow up as in her words, like as a brown girl in Canada when she was like the only one in her class and the only one like in her neighborhood. And even though both of her parents were college professors, they didn't exactly have an ideal relationship and ended up getting divorced. So a lot of her essays are about like her family. I will say that like I enjoyed her essays, but a lot of times I felt like they didn't ever really go anywhere in the sense that, like, I didn't understand why. Like, they didn't have any structure kind of deal? Yeah, and it was kind of like, okay, well, that's an interesting observation. And I couldn't really pinpoint it, and then I was kind of reading around to see if there was someone else who could kind of help shed some light on this. And I heard someone else describe it as, like, we hear a lot about her, but we don't really know anything about her personally, And I think that's a good way to describe it. Like, she talks a lot about the stuff that happens to her, but, like, I don't really feel like I got to know who she was as a person any better. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah. So were you left with thinking, like, what's the point? Yes. Kind of deal?
1: Yes. I think she tries to be, like, really literary in some places, um, and so, like, some of the sentences don't really make sense, but... Anyway, but overall, like she has this one um, short essay about, and I loved this one. Okay, so she studied English in college, and there's this one essay called Moby Dick, and it's like she's reading Moby Dick in the library, and she gets so involved with the story, and like near the end, and I won't, I won't give details because it's such a beautiful image. Um, like she the way she weaves in like fiction and reality where like what she's reading in the book she kind of transfers over to like what's happening in the library it was so good and as someone who spent so many hours reading in the library i 100 percent understood um so it was it was really good and her themes of like what it's like to be a first generation indian girl living in Canada was really good. And
0: overall, I really enjoyed her writing style. Yeah, it sounds it sounds really interesting. Like she has a lot she wants to write about, but it's not as focused as it could be. But isn't this her first essay collection? It is her first essay collection. And so I think
1: in the sense, of, and apparently she's done a lot of like magazine and online writing before. And some of her essays read more like magazine articles than like, internet magazine articles than an actual traditional essay, which I'm not saying is a problem. Like, have at it. That's not it at all. But I just – I don't know. It just – some of them just didn't quite settle quite well. That is Too Much and Not in the Mood by Derja Bose, and
0: it is out by FSG Originals. And that brings me to my – my second pick, which is Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay. Now, you know that Roxane Gay is in my, like, pantheon of amazing women writers with Desmond Ward. I had no idea. And N.K. Jemison, Yeah, I know. I'm such a surprising person. <laughs> <laughs> I've never talked about this book specifically on the podcast, and I really wanted to because I just saw her... Uh, for her book Hunger, I went and saw her do an author reading. And she was just really funny. Like, she's really funny in her essay collection. And she, in person, she was just equally amazing. Uh, so this one was really the essay collection that put Roxane Gay on the map for people who aren't already reading, like, literary journals and things. Like, she just, like, this is what made her super famous, I guess. And I read it when I first came out and I think, around 2014. And this is about, basically, about being a bad feminist. Uh, Roxane Gay points out that a lot of people are just so particular about what type of feminism that a person practices or about being the perfect feminist. She says she loves pink and she loves horrible lyrics and rap music and she likes television shows she probably shouldn't. Uh, but she says, the famous quote is, I'd rather be a bad feminist than no feminist at all. That'll preach. Yes. I I really love that because I've been really tired about people, like, yelling out on Twitter, like, you're not a feminist if, insert thing. Um, And it was quite frustrating because they didn't allow for imperfect people to practice feminism, which means an imperfect feminism because people are not perfect. So I really love that. And that's just in the introduction, you know? So... (laughs) I mean, this, it just can't, I mean, it, it just gets better from that. So you also have like essays about pop culture. She's really into um, Channing Tatum and she talks about that, which is really interesting. Um, uh, Roxane Gay is bisexual. So she has an interesting perspective because she identified as a lesbian for a long time and then realized that she really was bisexual and, uh, It was hard for her to have been so passionately an activist for LGBT plus rights. And then she felt like, well, saying that she was bisexual, you know, there's a lot of bi-erasure and a lot of people who say that people are just confused or whatever. So uh, she doesn't talk about that as much in the essay collection. It's a lot more in her memoir, Hunger, but you can definitely see that some in her essay collection. And she's also an avid Scrabble player. (sighs) She and I can um, be friends. tournaments and stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love Scrabble. I can't spell. So I was like, I like, I can't, I can't spell at all. And so I would really, I'm so bad at Sc-
1: Okay, so I love Scrabble and I'm a really good speller. And so that may be why I love it. So when we first got married, Scrabble was one of the few games that we had. And so... <laughs> we played it twice and I soundly beat Josh twice. No. <laughs> and he was so bad because like <laughs> it would take him like five minutes to come up with a word. And then I, he'd put it down and I'd be like, add a word. And he, he was like, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. It was just right
0: there. Like, I just had the I'm never playing Scrabble with you. Well, that's okay. If anyone else was to come and play Scrabble with me, I'll play with you. That and Bananagrams. I can't. Oh, I've never played that, but maybe I would like it. Anyway. <laughs> you would. It involves spelling. Back to the books. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, though, like, Roxane Gay is, you know... She talks about, like, some of her opponents and learning about Scrabble. And uh, she definitely talks about a lot of pop culture. And I think a lot of times, a lot of people who write essays get too focused on being too literary or, like, you know, high capital L literature. And Roxane Gay couldn't give a crap about that. She just writes about what is important to people, and that includes a lot of pop culture, and she makes a lot of important observations. Also in the essay collection is an essay about when she was gang raped by her boyfriend and a bunch of his friends and that really instigated her memoir hunger so obviously there are trigger warnings for that but that she can take that and she can like she is still able to unify all of her essays so she can go from light-hearted light-hearted essay about something in pop culture one time and then move to this very deep topic and she still is able to to maneuver in those different topic areas which can be very difficult for people who write in one vein or another but she just shows so much talent and such a wide range of abilities in this essay collection and it's just really there's something for everyone in this essay collection so you'll if you, love it, you want to check out Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay, which is also by Harper Perennial, which I did not plan, but apparently they're really awesome essay collections, so <laughs> it happens. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, and so
1: that now <laughs> brings us to our sponsor, and this month we are sponsored by the Quarterlane Box, and we are huge fans of Elizabeth and her team and the work that they're doing, and she curates the best boxes you may have heard us talk about the quarter lane box in the Ferrante series, which is one of the first books, the first boxes that they put out. And then had, she had these beautiful customized covers put on or dust jacket wraps put on them. And I have them on my shelf and they're beautiful and I love looking at them. So they, she is our sponsor this month.
0: We got together and we had a little chat and she asked us to curate one of her boxes for the fall. So we have curated a reading women box of different books that we really love this year that we feel haven't really been talked about as much. So we wanted to give them shout outs and we really love them. There's just a wide, there's something, a little something for everyone in this box, definitely. We've decided to highlight the two fiction books that
1: we picked for the box. So there's two fiction books and two nonfiction. And the two fiction books that we picked were Tender Stories, which is a short story collection that Kendra talked about in a previous episode. And then the book that I picked is The Weight of Him, which we've
0: talked about. Also on the podcast, if you've been listening, I was able to see Sophia Samatar and talk to her about Tender uh, when she uh, came to my town for an author talk and signing and different things. So that was really cool to ask her. She really is an amazing writer. She does science fiction and fantasy, and she varies in form between like she writes in the form of, like the the kids writing an essay for school. Uh, you have one that's journal entries. You have first person, third person, present tense, past. Like she plays around with this, and she but she's Somali and. And so, a lot of her fairy tales and folklore come from a very different place uh, than what we're, you know, Eastern European. And so, she just has such a fresh look and it's just so, ah, uh, it's just so amazing. And I just love her stuff. So, be sure to go and
1: check out the Reading Women box for Quarterly this month. You, we will have a link to it in our
0: show notes. And they style the books beautifully. And yeah, we hope you love it. Yeah. And, and in addition to the two fiction books that we've mentioned, you'll also get uh, Women in Sports, and you'll also receive uh, Desmond Ward's Men We Reaped, because obviously we couldn't have a Reading Women thing without Desmond Ward. So obviously, obviously. <laughs> no brainer. <laughs> We're nothing if not predictable.
1: This is true. So then that leads us to my next pick, which is. Scratch, and it was edited by Manjula Martin, and it is out by Simon and Schuster. And this is a really interesting book. Um, It is a collection of essays about writers and money, which, as Manjula points out in the preface, that money is something that writers don't really talk about very much, and where money comes from, and how you get it, (laughs) and so. Yeah, it is true. And so it is a, so now there's some of them are essays and some of them are interviews. So there's kind of a mix of both. And I just got to say, I learned so much about just the publishing industry by
0: reading this book. I have not been able to stop thinking about it. That sounds right in my wheelhouse, like writing, publishing, like, I mean, embrace my inner publishing nerd. I think I need to pick this one up.
1: Yeah. And like, I actually thought I was thinking about you while I was reading it. Cause I was like, Oh man, Kendra would like this, but she got some amazing people to contribute to it. And they're not all women. So it's like a mix of, of different kinds of writers. So, um, Cheryl Strayed, Alexander Chi, Roxane Gay, Jonathan Franzen, um, Austin Cleon, Leslie Jamison. Those are just a few of the people who've contributed to this book. So it is like all big name people that you've heard of. And the. Yeah, oh it's huge. Um, and her, them just kind of talking about like how they got to where they are, which is just always intriguing. Um, a couple of the essays that I wanted to mention that I was, that m- stuck with me the most is Emily Gold contributed an essay called Unlikable. And she talks about how she went to this publishing event and how she was seated at a table with a very well known writer and who was a woman and how the woman was, didn't really, wasn't very sociable during the event. And so then she kind of ruminates on how, you know, if that woman had been a man, how he would have been considered like, you know, the aloof and mysterious author and how everyone just thought kind of this woman was rude and insensitive and just kind of like the performance that female writers have to do that male writers aren't expected to do. And I just found that so fascinating. And then another one, actually, and you're going to be surprised by this, Kendra, Leslie Jameson's essay was one of my favorites in the entire (laughs) class. That is surprising. I I think, I don't know if we talked about the empathy exams on the podcast last year. I feel like we probably did, but anyway, I read the empathy exams last year and felt kind of eh about it. And I loved this essay. I don't know if it's just like, she's matured in her writing style or like figured out. (laughs) I don't know, but you go girl and keep doing it because it is amazing. Um, so her essay is called Against Verses," and she talks about the New York City publishing culture versus the MFA publishing culture. Oh, that's really interesting. It is so interesting. Um, But one of the things, and if you'll permit me, I'm going to read this quote because I thought it was so good. She talks about um, writing as collaboration. And I think we think of writing as being, and writing is very isolating. I mean, Kendra writes and I write. And so it is a very lonely sort of thing at times. But this quote, which I'm going to read, was really good. She says, When we stand up to say I am, we declare how much more than I we actually are. We stand up to perform our influences, the shadow of our peer workshops and our marketing meeting, the aggregate of our friendships and our Facebook friendships, the residue of our Twitter feeds and our Park Slope cocktail party small talk, and the long comet trails of our W-4s. Whether we publish or not, whether we write or not, we contain multitudes." And I just thought that that was like such a great quote because I'm like, that's true. Like everything you put on a page is a aggregate of everything you've ever experienced. And I just thought it was beautiful. And as you can tell, I love this essay. But the thing I love too about this collection was that it was a whole scope of writers. So like Manjula talks about in her own essay about how she didn't really come from money or influence and kind of had to work her way through. And then, you know, some of these people do come from more pri- privileged points of view. And so, I don't know, it was just really good. I loved it. It was fun to read. It was fast to read. It was great to read. I loved it. You should read it. We all should read it. <laughs> <laughs> All God's children got to read the book. All God's children have to read this book. So the long title is Scratch, Writer's Money, and the Art of Making a Living, and it is edited by Monjula Martin, and it is put out by Simon Schuster. So that brings
0: me to my last pick, which is The Fire This Time, edited by Desmond Ward, out by Scribner, because obviously— Desmond Ward, um, but also... And you can't see, but I'm, like, <laughs> silent, screaming, and excited. So, okay, I'm uh, the story goes, I got to go meet a Desmond Ward last year, and I, she was she got two books signed for me, not just one, so I guess that makes it okay, uh, but she went to see her because The Fire This Time came out um, later in 2016, and I love this book and when we were looking at essays you know we picked this one and then all the stuff in Charlottesville happened and it just became even more timely. I mean it was timely when it came out and then it was timely when we're talking about it and it just so many of the essay collections are based on a particular event. Um, all of you know around some event that happened recently that was very relevant um, so in this particular essay collection it is another anthology and it's a sort of based off the essay of uh, Baldwin's essay, The Fire Next Time. And so this is a generation at least removed from that essay. And so it's The Fire This Time. And Desmond Ward talks about in her introduction about how she wanted to pull together a bunch of essays that just talked about the continuing struggle with a systematic racism in the United States. So she pulls together authors like Daniel Jose Older, Carol Anderson, Claudia Rankin, Jericho Brown, and just so many other amazing writers of color that just come together and write about race and relations in America. There's everything from someone. There's someone from Jamaica who comes over um and talks about walking around the United States, like cities like New Orleans and New York versus walking around um, in Jamaica and how, you know, having to deal with, um, the racism being profiled, you have Jessamine's essay about doing 23andMe and the mixed background that she comes from and how she had to kind of re-identify herself and where she came from after learning um, her mixed heritage. And then uh, you have, uh, you know, Claudia Rankin's essay is really amazing. And just there's just and Dang a Older writes a letter to his wife. There's a person that writes um about, you know, their daughters, and there's just so many different things going on in this essay collection. And it's there's I just don't it just leaves me speechless. Every essay I just have to put down yeah. and sit down with it.
1: Yeah. And it's one of our discussion essays, so I'm just gonna say, Yeah. Yeah. And we'll just talk
0: about it next time. I've been rereading it for this um, for this podcast episodes, and I was planning on just reading uh, the primary essays that we were going to be talking about, but I ended up just rereading the entire thing because it's just so still relevant, so poignant, like the same points that they were making a year ago or whenever the essays are written. Uh, they're still happening right now, and I hope... Against hope that a generation from now they won't be as relevant that we'll have made some progress, but I think that's kind of what Jasmine Ward is making is that that's what Baldwin was hoping that it would be better, but then we're still struggling with it. So, well, and I will say that having so I got
1: to see a panel that was Jasmine Ward and Jericho Brown and Carol Anderson and Kevin. Kevin I can't think of Kevin's last name I apologize but I got to listen to a panel of them discussing their essays and kind of talking about unfortunately events that were happening happening around the time that the panel happened and just to hear them talk about their experiences like they believe like oh man like the passion in these essays is real and like especially when you hear them talk about it and read from it in person it's just incredible
0: just so moving yeah, and I particularly want to read um, Carol Anderson's book called White Rage, and I read her essay in this called White Rage, and my on rereading, it was probably my favorite, because she points out a lot of problems that I, as, you know, a white individual, have noticed in my own life, and it was very challenging and very, and you know, in a good way, that pointing out things that I need to work on, and just, I... Really loved it. Yeah. And I mean, even from like little things, you know, to big things, she covers a lot in that essay. And, you know, she really makes you look at your own life and kind of like, uh, not to overuse this term, but to like check your privilege and to look at, you know, how you're interacting with the world and your viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And so I am really excited to talk about this essay and to promote voices um, that are really speaking out about race. And yeah, it's just, it's just a great collection. So, that is The Fire This Time, edited by Jasmine Ward, and we'll be talking about that next episode. So, my final pick is The Mother of All Questions by
1: Rebecca Solnit, and it is out by Haymarket. And you probably know Rebecca from her book, Men Explain Things to Me. So Uh, so funny. (laughs) uh, This is actually my first Solnit. I didn't get to read Men Explain Things to Me because if you saw my reading stacks. But anyway. The interesting thing about this collection is that all of the essays were written, like, within the last three years, which makes them, I feel like, even more impactful, because, like, stuff just happened. Um And so she talks a lot about, like, if you're familiar with her, she talks a lot about, obviously, about feminism and, you know, women's issues. She talks a lot about the 2014 Isla Vista murders, which I'd actually forgotten about. I don't maybe because I was planning a wedding or something. Um, I don't know, something. Something, (laughs) something. But, so she lives in California, and the murders happen um, near her, and I won't go into it. But um, that could be a potential trigger if that's something that you're sensitive to. Um, And she also talks a lot about Bill Cosby, which is interesting considering that his (laughs) trial just happened. Um, So it's kind of interesting to see what happened with that and her predictions. Well, my point about both of those things is that it can kind of seem like my one thing where I was like, it seemed a little bit repetitive because these topics kept coming up. But then I realized that like these all were kind of magazine articles before and, you know, she wrote them in close proximity. So clearly these are the things that were on her mind. I really enjoyed this collection. I'll have to post a photo on Instagram, but I tabbed the crap out of this book. <laughs> Almost every single page has a sticky tab on it. Um, she has a lot of really good observations about like w- how the patriarchy like hurts men and women, which I really appreciated because I feel like they're left out of the conversation a lot of times. And um, just... This is one of our books that we're going to talk about next episode, so I don't really want to get into it too much. But the two essays we're going to talk about is the title one, The Mother of All Questions. One of the essays that was the most appropriate, I feel like, given what our podcast is and its mission. And so Min Explain Lolita to Me is an essay that responds to another essay she wrote criticizing a Esquire list about like 50 books that all men should read and there was only one woman on the list.
0: Yeah, it's like that dude that just posted like his reading list and there was one woman on it. Ugh. Why does this happen?
1: I I don't know. And it bothers me too when people are like, well, you should read books like regardless of whether a man or woman wrote them. And I'm like, well, I agree. Like, sure. On some level I agree with you, but Historically, women and minorities have been left out of that whole world. So, anyway, Um creating balance in the universe. <laughs> awareness yeah, is a good thing. <laughs> awareness is a very good thing. Anyway,
0: I love this was a really really funny essay, and um, I really liked it because I also I, I hate Lolita with a burning fiery passion of a thousand suns. It's horrible. Like, it sounds like it is one big trigger warning that I just should stay away from. Like, I don't care how, like, what do you mean? Like, he gets inside. Does it disturb you that he gets inside the head <laughs> of the sky so well? I mean, what alarm bell is that he ringing? Chills. <laughs> Nasty. Anyway. It was a really good essay, yes. Uh, she talks about, like, Hemingway. Now, Hemingway is a very male writer as well. She also talks about the book,
1: or the nonfiction book, Reading Lolita and Turan, which is a book I actually want to read. I have that one. I do, too. No way. We should have a podcast. <laughs> we should. We should have a podcast. That would be so
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> anyway, there was one quote that I loved, and I wanted to read it. And it said, she says, quote, when I wrote the essay that provoked such a sp- Splintic response. I was trying to articulate that there is a canonical body of literature in which women's stories are taken away from them, in which we all we get are men's stories, and that these are sometimes books that not only don't describe the world from a woman's point of view, but inculcate denigration and de- and degradation of women as cool things to do. Unquote. And
0: I was like, yes. <laughs> She also gets points for using all the GRE words possible. And i probably been <laughs> half of them. <laughs>
1: but self-taught reader. Moving on. Yeah, I just thought that was a really great essay. And, of course, really resounded because of this podcast and the things that we do. And, yeah, we'll talk about it more. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. It is really good. And I went to reread the, the two essays for next episode, and I had underlined so many things on my Kindle, and I was like, oh, good job, Pass Kendra. Good job. Yeah. Like, there is a lot. There's so many good things that she says, so. Yeah. Um, definitely check out all of her stuff. And I really want to read Hope in the Dark, which is before think Men Explain Things to Me, because I've read Men Explain Things to Me, but not Hope in the Dark, so. Yeah,
1: and she has these great single-color books that are easy to remember, so Hope in the Dark is black, Men think, Explain Things to Me is blue, and then this one is orange, <laughs> It's like like matching covers.
0: Of course course I need them. It's like Jasmine Ward's new books. (laughs) Don't go there. I'm trying to resist. (laughs) Don't go there. I already have two copies of Salvage the Bones. What's one more?
1: (laughs) Anyway, so that is The Mother of All Questions by Rebecca Solnit, and it is published by Haymarket Books.
0: So that is all of our selections for essay collections. So what are you reading now? What am I reading now?
1: Yeah. Well, um... I think I finally decided, if you watched my Instagram story thing the other day, I couldn't decide what, I think I said about all the books I talked about that I was going to read them next, but I finally settled on just one. I am about, and I haven't started it yet, but I'm going to read A Kind of Freedom by Margaret Wilkerson Sexton, and it is published by Counterpoint Books, and it is a a multi-generational novel about a family living in New Orleans. And so part of it is in like right after world war two. And then part of it is in present day new Orleans. I think it's post Katrina. Yeah. So I'm really excited to read it. Um, I just visited new Orleans last summer, so it's still kind of fresh on my mind and I've not read a book set in new Orleans.
0: So yeah, I'm excited to read it. And I guess that brings me to my book, which is home fire by Camilla Shamsi and the South from riverhead. And I am very excited about this book. Um, it was long listed for the man booker, but more importantly, it is based on Antigone, which is my favorite Greek tragedy. Um you know no Antigone, uh, in ancient Greek culture, like you are supposed to bury your dead and her brother dies, but her uncle says you have to leave your brother out and let the animals eat him because he was like a rebel, but she says no, like morally I should bury him and so on and so forth. But this is a retelling and it's based on a Muslim family. Um, a woman is immigrating from Britain to the US and then like stuff happens with our twin siblings and it's just so so interesting and I've read the first couple chapters I love the writing style the cover could hypnotize you in 30 seconds or less because it is so beautiful and spirally and I mean Riverhead really still is the like one of the best book designers ever like I, I think I might do a video on booktube about just their books because I just love their designs anyway So I'm going to be reading that. I'm reading that right now. And if you haven't picked it up or heard of it or whatever, you definitely need to pick it up. It is beautiful. And the insides are beautiful. And even the highfalutin literary types like it, obviously. So (laughs) everyone wins. (laughs) Everyone gets a book. I don't think I've ever used that word on this podcast. you (laughs) haven't. Gold star. Yay. Autumn has Jerry words. (laughs) I have... Hillbilly (laughs) Slice. So, somehow, that's the end of our podcast. So, yeah, that's the end of our podcast. And if you haven't reviewed us already on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, so sorry, or your podcaster of choice, please do so. That really helps other people. And we get super excited when people review us. Um, It is is very exciting. It really makes our day. You can... uh, So if you also don't know, fall is new book season. So I have been combing through new books like nobody's business. And you probably already listened to the episode with Liberty um, and some new books we mentioned there. But we have six books every other week that I put in the newsletter. So if you want to keep up to date with our picks for new books, you'll definitely want to check that out. especially for this fall. And that's it. So next time we will be talking about the mother of all
1: questions and by Rebecca Solnit and the fire this time edited by Jessamyn Ward. And we are really excited about both of these books. So don't miss them. Uh, in the meantime, you can find me autumn privet on Twitter and Instagram and other places at autumn privet. And you can find Kendra at K D Winchester. D is in Dylan. And thank you all so much for listening to the reading women podcast. We, we, really love you all and think are thankful for your support and yeah you're just the best
0: (laughs) well thanks so much and we'll talk to you guys later bye bye storybound is a podcast where acclaimed writers read their essays and stories which are then scored by unique and award-winning composers with each episode hosted by myself jude brewer With Storybound, you'll find a whole array of genres and musical styles, some painful yet sweet, or hilarious yet tragic, all brought to you by the podglomerate and Lit Hub Radio. Hi, I'm So up. Hi, I'm Megan Angelo. This is Tommy Orange. This is Amanda Stern. This is Phil Cly. Hello, this is Stephanie Danler. My name is Chloe Caldwell, and you're listening to Storybound. Storybound. This
1: is Storybound.
0: Storybound. Storybound. This is the Storybound podcast. Season two will be arriving on July 14th with new episodes every Tuesday featuring writers like Stephanie Danler, Garth Greenwell, Tommy Orange, Chloe Caldwell, and more. Make sure to subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And tell a friend, because the next best thing to hear in a great story is having someone to share it with.